0: This podcast is brought to you by The City Church in Mississauga, Ontario. For more information, please visit thecitychurch.ca. We hope you are encouraged by this message from our lead pastor, Frank Coulter. And as we've mentioned so far in this series, there's a lot in the scripture. About God doing new things—that God is a God of newness. He creates us as new creatures in Christ Jesus. And I think at the beginning of every new year, we are more open to new things. We're excited, maybe, about the potential of this new year and all that that could happen in our new year. And uh, and as I would say, you know, God is ne- not necessarily looking at Jesus when the calendar turns to January first and start to say, "Oh, we need to do some new things." That God is always doing new things, but we just need to be aware of. And I think we become more aware of the things that God is doing in January. So God wants to do something in us in 2017, and then also God wants to do something through us. And that is the focus of um, what we've been talking about in this series. Um, If you missed any of the messages, you can catch up to us online or on the church app or on our podcast. And as I've been mentioning for the last couple of weeks, I've been encouraging you uh, to spend some time reading God's Word, and as we've said, you know, if you, maybe you don't have a paper Bible, I encourage you to get a Bible or get a new Bible, um, depending if you've been around a long time, you know, you might have some markings or, in your Bible, and, or it can be highlighted and underlined and different things like that, and just starting out this year, I'm not saying you have to get it, uh, but you can get a new Bible on Amazon for like under $10, or if you want to spend as much as $150, you can get a new Bible, whichever you prefer. And I've been showing you, uh, you know, maybe different Bibles that you can get and things like that. Now, I didn't actually have um, my wife actually got a new Bible, and she encouraged me not to offend anybody by describing her Bible. Her Bible is actually a great description of her personality. Her Bible is teal. Now, the new Bible that I selected for 2017 is just plain black. Her Bible is ornate. I think her Bible actually has coloring pages in it. it. There's artwork and different things like that. And my Bible is very simple and plain and it's a great descriptor of our personalities. And um, was that offensive, babe? Or was I did okay? I did okay. So I just wanted to show you, I did, she um, didn't bring her Bible, I'll bring it next week to show you, to, to celebrate our differences. Um, the Bible that I have, I chose a... Um, a bible that has margins so you can write things in it and uh w- not, once again that's what i encourage you to do if you're a morning person uh get up about 15 minutes earlier if you're a night person find a chair to sit in don't lay in your bed and read the bible because the potential is always there when you're laying down and reading you will fall asleep so we don't want to do that um, and then get a pen or a highlighter as you're reading the word of god our expectation would be our prayer would be that we want god to speak to us as we're reading the Word of God, different things will be highlighted and emphasized to us. And if you read something, it's like, oh, that's good. And as you underline it or highlight it or write something in the margin, I think it's imprinted more in our hearts. And not just for the sake of information, but we want to uh, read the Word of God so we can do it. So if you have your Bibles this morning, let's turn to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. <clears throat> so last week, we we talked a little bit about how... Uh, Jesus read the scripture in and of his time the torah and the old testament the prophets um, And how he read the scripture and how it was differentiated between how he read the scripture and how the pharisees read the scripture We're actually going to do that a little bit again today just to help us as we're spending time reading the word of god And as I always say, it's good to read the word of god on your own Uh, It's also good uh, to be have other friends who are following jesus so that you can discuss Uh, the reading of the scripture. It shouldn't just be done on your own only. Um, When you read the word of God on your own, when you bring it into a discussion, when you bring it into a friendship, uh, you can learn what someone else is learning and then you can maybe get some insight uh, for your own life. And then also, obviously, when we gather together to hear the preaching of God's word. Here in Romans chapter 12, though, we can see um, one of the purposes uh, for us to spend time in the word of god it says in verse one it says therefore I exhort you brothers and sisters by the mercies of god to present your bodies as a sacrifice alive holy and pleasing to god which is your reasonable service do not be conformed to this present world but to re- be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may test and approve what is the will of god and what is good and well-pleasing and perfect so that's what we want as we're spending time in the Word of God, we want and desire or should want and desire to have the will of God be accomplished in our lives. And we see this, that our minds would be made new, the renewing of our mind. God does new things. So as our relationship with God grows and advances, that our mind can always be changed and we can always grow. Um, Jesus has called us to be disciples, not just Christians, Uh, not just Christian in name only, but as he's called us to be his disciples, that means that we would be learners, that we'd be learning and growing, not becoming stagnant in our relationship with God. And one of the ways definitely that we don't become stagnant is to spend more and more time uh, thinking and talking about God's word so we don't stay the same, that God wants us to be transformed and be changed. So last week we ended up talking about... uh, The parable that jesus talked about the sower and the word of god was the seed how the seed was being spread out and the seed was the word of god and the seed landed on different types of soil that certain types of soil it it found receptivity and other types of soil it was rejected and i mean all learning is like this in one respect but our learning as it relates to the word of god we should want to be good ground for the word of god now anybody that has children Um, toddlers or teenagers or anywhere in between, you know at various times when you've spoken to your children, sometimes the words that you say find fertile soil. And then there's corresponding actions based on what you say. But then there's also times, parents, you know, that when you say certain things to your children, you know nothing is happening. You know you're getting a look, you're getting a response, you're getting an attitude, and they're not actually listening to what you're saying. Uh, They have... Uh, no soil to hear what you're saying, but we don't want to be like that type of child. We actually want to be the type of child uh, to God, our father, who hears his word and we have a receptive soil for what he's saying. So once again, we're going to start out a little bit today, again, just reminding ourselves about how to read the scripture. And at the end, we're going to talk about why we're reading the scripture. So let's turn to Matthew chapter 12. Last week, we looked at a few different times where Jesus read the Old Testament laws and how he interpreted the Old Testament laws um, is in stark contrast to how the Pharisees were reading the Old Testament and how they thought about the Scripture. And once again, as we read the Gospels, we can see this over and over again. And as this is what we're doing this morning, we're trying to train ourselves uh, to see what Jesus said and how Jesus is interpreting the old testament and we can see this here in matthew chapter 12 verse 1 says at that time jesus went through the grain fields on a sabbath now this is something that we will see once again a lot in the gospels that jesus was doing a lot of things on the sabbath healing people helping people And the Pharisees, a lot of times, would just get really mad at Jesus because of how they were interpreting about the law of the Sabbath. But let's read the whole story here. Um, His disciples were hungry, and they began to pick heads of wheat and eat them. But when the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is against the law to do on the Sabbath. He said to them, Haven't you read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? How he entered the house of God, and they ate the sacred bread which was against the law for him or his companions, but only for the priests. Or have you not read in the law that priests and the temple desecrate the Sabbath, and yet they are not guilty? I tell you that something greater than the temple is here. If you had known what this means, I want mercy and not sacrifice. Now, we spent time talking about that phrase last week from the scripture i won't reteach the whole thing but here again in another portion jesus is saying this phrase i want mercy and not sacrifice you would not have condemned the innocent for the son of man is lord of the sabbath then jesus left that place and entered their synagogue a man was there who had a withered hand and they asked jesus is it lawful to heal on the sabbath so here's the sabbath again So the Pharisees are asking Jesus, here's a sick guy, and they're asking, oh, is it actually a good thing? Is it against the law, or is it for the law to heal on the Sabbath? And then why were they asking this question? So that they could accuse him. He said to them, would not any of you, if you had one sheep that fell into a pit on the Sabbath, take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a person than a sheep? So it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out, and it was restored as healthy as the other. But the Pharisees went out and plotted against him as to how they could assassinate him. So here we have two instances where the Sabbath, the law of the Sabbath, which is one of the Ten Commandments, is being interpreted by the Pharisees and then being reinterpreted by Jesus. So that they had the Jewish... uh, culture and the jewish religion had taken the law of the sabbath which is found in the 10 commands we're just going to read here in a second and had created all of these categories defining how we could keep the law of the sabbath they actually had 39 different categories of explaining what actually was work as to avoid what was work so that you wouldn't do work because if you did work on the sabbath you were displeasing to god and god was going to be angry and this is how they were interpreting the law of the old testament so let's just read Uh, i don't actually have this on the screens uh, but where we see about the 10 commandments is found in the book of exodus chapter 20 exodus chapter 20 i'm going to read here from verse 8 and this is uh, the first three commandments are all about you know putting god first not having any idols not using the lord's name in vain and then here is the first of the different commandments that God is giving to people. And he says this, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord, the Lord your God. On it you shall not work, neither shall your son or your daughter, your manservants or your maidservants, nor your animals, nor the alien. That doesn't mean from outer space. That just means people from other countries uh, within your gates. For in six days the Lord will make made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them but he rested on the seventh day therefore the lord blessed the sabbath day and made it holy so here is the command here is within the ten commandments the command to rest and that's what sabbath means sabbath means to rest so the pharisees had interpreted sabbath in such a way and they had spent all of this time uh, defining what actually was work because they're looking, and in, in the Ten we're saying, you know, God created uh, the heavens and the earth. So they were made sure that on the Sabbath, now the Sabbath for them started Friday evening, went until Saturday evening. That any time, anything related to creation, they had to avoid it. You couldn't create anything on the Sabbath because God has commanded us to rest. And so if we're doing anything related to creation, uh, we can't be doing that because then it won't be rest. And so they had created all of these categories and then they had various and sundry loopholes to make sure that certain things could go on. Uh, but they, you know, they would cook meals and there would be a lot of preparation ahead of time so they wouldn't be breaking the law of the Sabbath ahead of time. But we see how Jesus was interpreting the Sabbath was very different than how the Pharisees were interpreting the Sabbath. And one of the things that we can see about how the pharisees were interpreting the sabbath that the way they are interpreting the law was causing them to disregard people in other words you know they were looking at the law and jesus was eating on the sabbath in other words you can't eat on the sabbath you can't do this on the sabbath in other words even if you're gonna die even if you you know you're just gonna die from malnourishment you can't eat on the sabbath because you're gonna break the law of the sabbath and then they looked at this man, this man who was sick, and they're like, is it okay to do something good on the Sabbath or is doing good or is healing somebody in the category of work so we can't heal somebody on the Sabbath? I'm going to now disregard this sick person because it's the Sabbath and we've got to keep the Sabbath holy. God would be angry with us if we are going to feed somebody on the Sabbath or if we're going to heal somebody on the Sabbath because all of these things are work. And one of the things that we talked about that helped us to see how Jesus interprets the scripture, that we read last week that the yoke of Jesus is easy and it's light, and how the Pharisees were interpreting the scripture, it was heavy and you were supposed to be nervous. Disregarding the law, how I would look at the law of God is causing me now to disregard people. Because if I think I'm going to keep God's law, I'm going to let the hungry person die and I'm going to let the sick person stay Sick, all because it's the Sabbath. Jesus helps us here in Mark chapter 2, verse 27, to understand about the Sabbath. Then he said to them, The Sabbath was made for people, not people for the Sabbath. That the Sabbath, how Jesus is telling us to understand the Old Testament and understand the law of God, it was actually given to us as a gift. This idea of rest is actually a gift to us. That God doesn't want us to burn our candle at both ends for 24-7 so that we will wear our lives out and just, just I don't, I don't need to rest. You know, I'm young and I'm strong and I can just keep going and keep going and keep going. That beyond the law, Jesus is helping us to see that beyond the law is the intention of a loving Heavenly Father. That the law doesn't become this heavy burden to bear. That as we read the scripture and as we read the law of God, we see the intention behind the law. You know, and any of us, you know, know at different times, if we go a long time without a good amount of rest, that it can become a struggle for us in our lives. Can anyone testify that that's true? Everybody with young children knows that this is true. You didn't really know how much you actually needed sleep until you had somebody keeping you up at night. And then, and when you didn't have this gift of rest that you had just experienced all of your life, except maybe when you were in university and you were doing some all-nighters of studying and maybe some partying going on, but it didn't matter because you could just get up and sleep all day the next day. You didn't know how sleep, how important sleep was to you. But what is it? The Sabbath is actually made for man. The Sabbath is a gift to us. That beyond the law is actually a principle of life. Beyond the law that God is saying, oh, you better keep the Sabbath holy. It's not about pleasing God. It's actually given to us as an understanding how to live a successful life. And all of the laws of God are like this. Understanding what the laws and how the laws operate. Now, sometimes, once again, we could take laws and we could think it as a repression of our freedom. That I have a certain amount of freedom that I want to express, and the laws of God are now holding me back from this. But behind the law of God is actually a gift to us. You know, a little while ago, I was at the grocery store, and there was a a dad walking out of the grocery store uh, with his toddler, with his son, And as they got out near the parking lot, the dad was holding the son's hand and the son, the toddler with all of his might was trying to pull away from the father's hand that he wanted freedom to run in the parking lot. And the dad was holding him back. He just was pulling and pulling and pulling. And what did the dad know that the toddler didn't know? That this actually isn't a safe place for you to run around. And I know you think you want your freedom in this moment, but beyond this restriction that I'm giving you is actually safety. And this is how we need to look at the Word of God and understand that at the breaking of any law, and the law is true, the laws of our nation are the same way, that the breaking of any law is actually a fire that burns. Something that would affect us negatively if we just go, I'm just going to go beyond the law and I'm just going to figure out I'm not going to have anybody to tell me what to do. Nobody can hold me back. I'm just going to do the things that they told me I couldn't do and then what did we find out? We found out that actually the breaking of the law, beyond the breaking of the law, is a fire that burns. Anyone want to admit to that today? That they discovered that how did we discover it? We discovered it the hard way. Somebody told us, the pastor told us, the preacher told us, the parents, our parents told us, hey, if you do this, I just want to let you know that this will happen. And we're like, I'm way smarter than that. That's so old fashioned. I'm just going to do what I want to do. And you can't stop me. I am a free moral agent. I am 18 years old. And to all the young people out there, there's going to be two ways that you can learn things in life. You can listen to instruction or you can learn the hard way. And for all of us in here today that have learned the hard way, we say to you, listen to instruction. It's so much better. There's so much much less burning that goes on from getting close to the fire. See, if we interpret the law in such a way, well, okay, keep the Sabbath holy. Okay, but what does that mean? How much, how close to the line can I get by not breaking the Sabbath laws? And we're kind of missing the point if we read it that way. We we should read to us that the Sabbath is actually a gift to us. And those of us that have made it through the years where our children were up at night, It seemed like forever we realized how much of a gift rest is. And when you lose something, when you lose your freedom by breaking those laws, you can learn the hard way, but it's so much better to learn by instructions. It's so much faster. Has anyone ever wasted any time by breaking laws that you know You don't have to raise your hand. By breaking laws (laughs) that you know you shouldn't have broken, you're just going to do it. I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to do it anyway. See, and all of the instructions of God are like this they aren't actually restrictions of our freedom, but there is a heart of safety that a loving, heavenly Father is giving to us he's reaching out with his ideas his thoughts his ways his will his word and is giving us the gift of life he's not giving us the gift of religion he's teaching us how to live what is the gift of the sabbath that we just need we can't go 24 7 7 days a week without coming to the end of ourselves and so what we need to do is take this gift of the sabbath and rest Well, what is the legalism of the sabbath? Does it on Friday night? Does it end? No, it's rest You need to rest the principle of rest Well, I have to work on Saturday, so I can't keep the sabbath You're interpreting the scripture wrong if monday is your day off rest Don't go crazy 24 7 7 days a week When you have time off, you need to find time to rest. Otherwise, you will find a fire that burns. What is it? We'll get worn out. We get worn out physically and mentally and spiritually because we're going and 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 we got this to do, we got this to do. We got to know God has given us the gift of the Sabbath. What is it? It's rest. And if we're wise, we'll receive that gift. So we see here how Jesus is reading the scripture, how Jesus is seeing beyond the law and seeing the intent of the word of God in our lives. So as we're reading the word of God, that's what we want to look for. We want to see the things, how Jesus is interpreting the scripture for us. First John chapter five, verse one says, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the father loves whoever has been born of him. By this we know we love the children of God, when we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. Our faith in the word of God, what God is saying to us, that we're putting our trust in the word of God. That we know that we love God because we obey his commands, and then what does it say? His commands are not burdensome. That in His commands, there's life. There's instruction for living. So if we're reading the Word of God, and it's a heavy burden, it's a heavy weight about my own life and about everybody else's life. Oh, it's so heavy that I know this information. No, we're missing the gift of life that's written within the law. God wants us to obey His commands because He wants us to experience life the way he designed it to be lived. So his commands, what are they? are not burdensome and they're not heavy. So we don't have to be afraid to go to the Word of God, I'm like, oh, I'm not sure what I'm going to read here today. I'm nervous about reading the Word of God. No. Then if we're nervous about reading the Word of God, we're not doing it right. His commands are not burdensome. It's not a heavy thing that there is actually life in the Word of God. So once again that's a how and then we want to know why why are we reading the word of god now as we mentioned a couple of weeks ago that jesus said that all of the scripture is moving us to the understanding of him it's moving us to a relationship with him that all of the scripture speaks of him so in the context of our relationship with god which is what god is calling us into why are we reading the scripture is it just for knowledge that i will just know things and i will have Scripture memorized? And I will know this, and I will know this more than somebody else. And I can be uh, proud about how much Bible knowledge I have. And I can know this, and this this group of people knows this, but this other group of people doesn't know this. Are we supposed to go to the Word of God for that, or are we supposed to go to the Word of God for a different reason? And I would say yes. And we're going to find it here in James chapter 1. Why do we read the Word of God? James chapter 1, verse 21, says this. So put away all filth and evil excess and humbly welcome the message. Now that's the same idea as the parable Jesus talked about the good ground. The good ground of our, the soil of our hearts. What would it be? It would be that we're going to humbly receive the message. Humbly welcome the message implanted within you, which is able to save your souls. Verse 22. But be sure you live out the message and do not merely listen to it, and so deceive yourselves. For if someone merely listens to the message and does not live it out, he is like someone who gazes at his own face in a mirror. For he gazes at himself and then goes out immediately, forgets what sort of person he was. But the one who peers into the perfect law of liberty, the law of liberty, God's word is the law of freedom, understanding What's underlying and what is the intention of the law of God is a gift to mankind. It's the law of liberty, law of freedom. And fixes his attention there and does not become a forgetful listener, but one who lives it out. He will be blessed in what he does. Blessed in what he does. Who will be blessed? The one who lives it out. So here is the intention of the Word of God in our lives. is not just to have knowledge and to measure our knowledge against someone else who has less knowledge and then be impressed with ourselves about how much knowledge we have. That the knowledge we have that we go to the Word of God and we gain from the Word of God, we're supposed to be living it out. Live it out. One of my Bible school instructors said it like this. He said, the only Word of God that we know is the Word of God that we do. That we put into practice. And the scripture says about Jesus in John chapter 1. It said that the word became flesh. Now there's a great insight in there about Jesus and his divinity. His divinity that he is divine. But there is also a great understanding that the power—the the word of God becomes powerful when it becomes a part of our flesh. In other words we do it. That the, the one who does the word is Blessed. Not just the one who knows it. Well, I have this knowledge and I have that knowledge and I know this and I've got this scripture memorized and I know this and I know this and I know that great, wonderful, it's exciting, I'm glad. But the putting it into practice is where the blessing comes. And what does it say? Uh, The person, if someone merely listens to the message and does not live it out, he is like someone who gazes at his own face in a mirror. And the previous verse says but be sure to live out the message and do not merely listen to it and so deceive yourselves now there is no time in history where the potential of this verse is more true that we could just be we can be inundated with listening to messages we can listen to podcasts we can go to websites we can go to youtube Uh, it just there's so there's so much availability to listen to so many things And there's so many christians today that are just so excited That they know who their favorite preacher is and how much they listen to the word of god And I know this and I know this and here's my favorites and these are my favorites and but I hate these people These people that preach I don't like these people and in fact There's youtube videos about why we should hate these christians And so, but I know this and I know this and I'm so excited about what I know and I'm so excited about what my group knows and what my denomination knows and the knowledge that we have is so impressive. But the scripture says, if we merely listen, what do we do? We're just deceiving ourselves. See, it's great, it's great, it's wonderful that you know who your favorite preachers are. And see, what what happens is, for a lot of people, a lot of Christians today is that they define... Uh, their Christianity, a lot of times, by the preachers that they approve of, and by what they approve of, as it relates to well, oh, this if this goes on in church services, I approve of this. It is good, it is well with my soul, because this happens in church services. And then there's other churches who don't do these things in their church services, and so we like this group of churches that do these things in their services. And then there's another group that does certain things in their church services. Listen. There is nothing in the New Testament that defines how well we're following Jesus based on the church services that we approve of or disapprove of or the preachers that we approve of or disapprove of. What does it say? If we're merely listening and we don't do anything, we're just deceiving ourselves. Just decei- just, I'm just in full deception just because I hear a bunch of stuff. So the goal is not just hearing now we need to hear To be able to do but the goal of our hearing should be to put it into practice because the blessing comes when we live It out when the word becomes part of my flesh This is where the blessing comes. Otherwise, the potential is for for me is just i'm so excited about what I know And did you hear what this preacher said and did you hear what he said and did you hear what he said and did you hear what? He said and i'm like great wonderful excited for you I told you this a while ago, you know, I had some friends, they moved uh, to California and then they'd like a certain TV preacher. And so, you know, and there's, there's as many people, almost as many people in California as there is in all of Canada. And there's just thousands of thousands of churches in California, but they, they couldn't find a church in California that preached like their favorite TV preacher. So they just didn't go to church. And I'm telling you, that's just ignorance. It's just ignorance. Because they were so excited about their knowledge, but they had no legs to it. They were, were, no, I'm going to put this into practice. I'm actually going to do something with the word of God in my life. And this is what the scripture says. This is where the blessing comes in and this is where the power is when we effectively live out the Scripture, that we take the knowledge that we have, the renewal of our mind, and then we live it out. We practice it. We use it in our lives. Nothing to do with church. The lives that we live in our homes and in our jobs and in our communities. This is where the power comes in. Not relegating it all to a church service that I like or dislike, Meh, who cares? So you have judged what you like and you don't like. Listen, I get a little bit upset about this because i this is the discussions that I have with people sometimes. Like I spent hours one time talking to somebody about the content of a church service. Listen, there is no actual prescription in the new Testament, a law that we should follow About what we should do in church services. Did you know this? So what you like in church services is just what you know. What I like in church services is just what I know. And that's the end of that discussion. That's it. There's no power in any of it where the power of the word of God comes. When we read it. And then the word becomes flesh. The doer of the word is blessed. We don't want to look at it. What did it call it? It said it was like a mirror. That I would be looking at my life. And then I would look in the mirror, I would look at the Word of God. And then I didn't actually change anything and I just walked away. Now, looking at all of you this morning, you all look good. So, what do I know that when happened? You looked in the mirror this morning and you're like, I'm going to need to change some things. Before I leave, I'm going to need to brush some things today before i leave my house why because you looked at the mirror and you realized you needed to change something so that you could do something different look different it's so the word of god is like that that we're supposed to look in the perfect law of liberty and be like oh i need to be changed in to the image of christ and this is what the scripture tells us that god wants to be conformed wants us to be conformed to the image of his son james continues in chapter 2 verse 14, helping us to understand this. And he says this, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith and does not have works, what can this faith, this kind of faith save him? If a brother or a sister is poorly clothed and lacks daily food, and one of you says, go in peace and be warmed and eat well, but you not give them what the body needs, what good is it? So also faith, if it does not have works, is dead being by itself. So, what is the scripture? What is James telling us here? That because we have this relationship with God, now there are no works that cause us to be saved, but the works that correspond our salvation, the works that follow our salvation—in other words, the actions or the activities based on our salvation—how are we going to see that you have faith in God? Well, it's going to change how you act. And it talks about, hey, you know, if you tell someone, you know, if they're struggling with stuff, and you're like, be warmed and filled, and you don't actually give them anything. It didn't actually accomplish anything. Um, just as I mentioned here, you know, our young adult city group is going downtown uh, today. Remember all of the scarves and socks and gloves that you brought during the month of December um, that in the bin that you put in the bin? So our city group today, our young adult city group, is going downtown three different locations. And they're going to be giving all of those items out to homeless people, so that's exciting. That's fantastic for you as a church to be involved with that. So, but it's talking here about our faith. So faith, if it does not have works, what is it? It's dead. Being by itself. So that we have this faith, this faith in God, this faith in Jesus. It is actually supposed to result in something in our lives. It's supposed to result in action. Let's keep reading. But if someone will say, you have faith and I have works, show me your faith without your works and I will show you faith by my works. Listen, I love this verse. Verse 19, you believe that God is one, well and good. Even the demons believe and tremble with fear. Well, let me just tell you what I believe. Great, wonderful, exciting. James is like, the demons also believe stuff. Great. In other words, we need to be showing what we believe through action. Not just being excited about what we believe. It's great to believe things about Jesus and the scripture, but it is supposed to correspond with action. But would you like the evidence, you empty fellow, that faith without works is useless? Verse 21, was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac, his son, on the altar? You see that his faith was working together with his works and his faith was perfected by works. In other words, God had showed him to do something and then he acted on what God showed him. And the scripture was fulfilled that saying, now Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. And he was called God's friend. You see that a person is justified by the works and not by faith alone. And similarly was not Rahab the prostitute also justified by works when she welcomed the messengers and sent them out by another way. For just as the body without the spirit is dead... So also also faith without works is dead. So we we don't want that to be said about our faith, do we? Come on now, today. We don't want that to be said about our faith, do we? That it's dead. Well, how would it be described as dead if we just don't let it change us? If we just don't let it change our actions? That the only thing that somebody would know about me is a follower of Jesus, that I'm just waiting for Jesus to come back or I'm just waiting to get to heaven. Otherwise, it has no effect on my life at all. No, but our faith is not just supposed to stay on the inside of me. And it isn't just supposed to be a point of pride that I know this and I know that and I know this and here's what I approve of and here's who I approve of. It is, back, it is supposed to be shown through the life that we live. And this is where the word becomes flesh in you and me. And then it has great effect in my life, in my relationships. People in my home, friends and relatives, people that I work with because I'm actually living out my faith. You know, in 2017, we are excited to live out the word of God. But there's also going to be some things in 2017 that maybe aren't going to go our way. And maybe there's, there's going to be some changes come our way that we didn't actually decide, some certain things that we're going to have to deal with. Now I'm talking there a second ago about our actions, but we're going to focus just for a few seconds here before we finish about our reactions. When something comes my way that I didn't choose, we have moments to react and how we always want to react when things come our way that we didn't choose, that we didn't want that we always want to react with faith in God Matthew chapter 7 here, we're going to finish with these few verses, Jesus talks in these few verses about storms that would come our way and the analogy would be in our lives that you know things are going to come our way Sometimes they're going to be hard and sometimes they're going to be difficult. You know, Jesus said in the world, you have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So as we look out at 2017 about some of the things that we're going to have to react to, let's read this and apply this in our lives. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them, Jesus says, is like a wise man who built his house on rock. The rain fell, the flood came, and the winds beat that house, but it did not collapse because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the flood came, and the winds beat against that house, and it collapsed and it was utterly destroyed. When Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were amazed by his teaching because he taught them not like one who had authority, not like the experts in the law. These verses here are telling us whether we do the word of God or we don't do the word of God, there's stuff going to be coming at us. There's stuff going to be coming at the proverbial house of our lives. And what's going to cause our lives to stand through the storm? See, the only difference here in the story, everybody heard the word, everybody had the storm, But the difference was the people that did the word and the people that didn't do the word. And the people that didn't do the word, what does it say? Their their foundation was like sand. It was just washed away. See, we don't want to be that type of person. 2017, we want to be the type of person that our house, our life is built on the rock of the word of God. Doing and practicing and living out the word of God. Because then when the storms come, I'm still going to be standing with my faith in God and his word and his ways and his thoughts and his promises. Not just what the culture says or not just what I can dream up. But man, when stuff is coming my way, I can know, man, I am doing the word of God. I am putting into practice God's promises and his thoughts and his ways. And then I'm there going to be there standing on the rock afterwards. Let's just pray this morning. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your word today. Thanks for listening. If you need prayer or would like to share how this message has impacted you, please email info at thecitychurch.ca.